0: Hi, everybody.
1: Hey, everyone.
0: I'm Stephanie. And
1: I'm Sarah.
0: And this is Dead Time 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 Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, mysteries, cults, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, or even just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is
1: that, Sarah? Because it's our show and not yours.
0: How's it going, man?
1: Hey, you know, it's going okay. I had to giggle because... I think we said this last time we were remote recording, like on the regular, but when we remote record, our saying of our podcast name
0: just gets gets so elongated.
1: (laughs) Eh. And it never fails because when we're in person, we're like, "Mm, dead time stories. But when we're remote, we're like, dead time stories.
0: I feel like I still try to hold it like that in person, but it gets weird. So I, I don't. (laughs)
1: there it is she's doing the little i did the 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 weird weird, awkward finger
0: together thing that the kids do with emojis or whatever
1: oh my god i said that earlier to charlie today oh he bought those a strip of those led lights that you just stick up and you've got a remote and it changes colors And uh, he's using them for something with growing some of our plants. And I said, oh, man, we should get more of those because that's what the kids are doing. They just put those up all around their room. Like, that's what the kids do. And he's like, oh, is that what the kids are doing? And I was like, that's what TikTok told me.
0: That's what the TikTok told me. And TikTok never lies to me.
1: (laughs) No, nothing on the Internet ever lies to me.
0: Everything on the Internet is real. Totally. and I hate it, because <laughs> there's so you say we say it jokingly because there's some stuff on the internet where you're like, well, that's not real, but there's some stuff on the internet that you wish wasn't real that is, that and you're like, you were like,
1: Ugh, that well, can't I be real, it. I know. and it is, And it is, and that's what's up. Oh man, but I that's why it. we made this podcast because we're like, let's talk about this, not necessarily yeah, things on the internet, but just weird things. How are you doing, I'm tired. Stephanie? <laughs> There it is.
0: <laughs> I'm tired.
1: It's okay.
0: I got my booster this week.
1: Good job.
0: I'm on my I'm on my lazy times.
1: Good job. <laughs> it means your body's working.
0: It means I'm not the pregnant. Way it's supposed
1: to. Good job. <laughs>
0: Which was a real concern. <laughs> I'm tired.
1: Y'all, we're here. We are in the middle of. I guess we'll just call it sad. I'm so tired that the days are so short.
0: And <sighs> I still so have to do the same amount of the work. days. Are so sad. And I I don't know, I just I'm tired. That's it. I'm on my second iced coffee. And I don't Whoa, drink a lot of coffee. You don't even drink
1: coffee. I know. That's a big day, y'all. You don't even realize.
0: And it's not doing anything for me. <laughs> I'm still very sleepy.
1: Oh no. But well, maybe you know what?
0: I will we'll survive. What?
1: Spook you awake. Oh no, you spook me. Boo. Do you feel um, better yet? Boo!
0: <laughs> I've been spooked. Alright, well. Sarah, let's just like fucking let's just do it. Let's
1: go into it, y'all. This is you know what? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna put it out there. This is the year of just let's just plow right into it. Let's
0: just fucking do it.
1: Let's do it. Let's keep That's talking about doing. how we're gonna do it before we do it. We're
0: gonna though. do it. That's what let's we're doing. <laughs> Let's do it. Hey, Sarah.
1: Hey, Stephanie.
0: Hey, Hey, Leslie. Leslie. Y'all ready ready to to talk talk about about some ghosts?
1: ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts?
0: (laughs) Sarah, what are you talking about this week?
1: Well, are you ready to talk about some ghosts? Are you talking about a ghost? Oh, I am talking about many ghosts. Ooh, But they're all in one location. Okay. So let me pull up my notes because I got my notes on the computer. So this is a story that, honest to God, if I went back and showed you my like topics coming up list that I wanted to do, this is like number two on that list. So I finally Whoa. did it. I'm excited. Okay. This is the ancient ram in. An almost one thousand year old building, touted as one of the most haunted houses in Britain. Okay. And my tagline for this story is: ghosts, pagans, succubus. Oh my! All right. There's a lot going on there, but I'm here for it. There's a lot going on. This inn has it all. It's almost a thousand years old. Okay, so Stephon.
0: This inn has everything. It's almost a thousand years old.
1: hundred thousand years old. It's got ghosts. It's got a succubus and an incubus. Both. Okay, girl. And tons of child death.
0: Oh. This inn has everything. Super old. Tons of child death.
1: Ghosts. Ghosts. A succubus or an incubus, whatever you're feeling that evening.
0: All the things that make you go. Huh?
1: It's got everything except running water. Now what's this
0: place called?
1: It's called the Ancient Ram Inn.
0: New York's hottest club is the Ancient Ram Inn.
1: Well, it's in Britain, so Britain's hottest club sure, sure. is in the Ancient Ram Inn. Okay. In Eways. The inn was built in the year 1145, Okay. originally meant to house the masons who were working on the church next door to it, which is even older, named St. Mary's. St. Mary's is located directly across the street from the inn, and streams that ran on the inn's grounds had to be diverted around the church's site, and- It is widely known or believed in the paranormal society that anytime you have running water near an area that's said to have spirit activity, the running water acts as a conduit, as a source. Sure. Uh, And a lot of people believe that when you redirect water, that's also going to cause things. So a lot of people think that the redirecting of the water on the property opened up a portal for dark energy.
0: Naturally. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Right. Right. So, this whole town that it's in, so it's in a town called Watton Under Edge, spelled like three words. Watton, like cotton, but with a W. Okay. Under Edge. It's interesting. According to the current homeowner, however, the actual history of the land and the site stretches way back before 1145, but rather to sometime in the region of 3000 BC when a pagan burial ground existed there what what pagan burial ground bitch so they say now there are other pagan burial grounds in this town so
0: you can't turn around in this town without hitting a pagan burial ground
1: I mean, honestly, it's so old. I would think there was something wrong with the area if there wasn't a pagan burial ground. I would be like, why didn't they want to have a burial ground here? What's wrong with this What land? did
0: they know that we don't know? Sure, sure, sure. Right? That gives that ancient wisdom, that ancient pagan wisdom. Like, do it. In
1: the ancient Ram Inn. Oh, it's all coming together now.
0: It's all coming back to me
1: at the ancient Ram Inn. Where the pagans off came. I don't know. They all died. No, they didn't. They sacrificed. Anyways, back to that. Sure, sure, sure. Also in this home, if you didn't figure out how old it was, there is a wooden post in the building that the current owner claims to have been dated back 7,000 years to a time when the location hosted regular rituals involving human sacrifice. It's also
0: the last time they renovated the place. Like, bring it to date, okay? Like, at least get it to code, Pete.
1: Well, I mean, they worked on it, but they left this one post. where sure, they're like, sure. we need to keep one artifact from the history. So it does claim to boast the oldest windowsill in all of Britain. Oh. Take that as you will oldest windowsill okay the site stands today as the oldest building in Watton under edge including sure. among its various historical artifacts they've got the oldest window frame what well, wooden window frame of course that's a it's giving. not
0: on the same window as the oldest sill correct
1: Ha
0: ha 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 ha. Well, I'm just wondering, is this just, why don't they just call it the oldest window? But, like, different parts of the window are, are older, but, like, the glass panes have been replaced.
1: I would assume the glass panes have been replaced because it says the oldest wooden window frame.
0: I know. I'm just trying to figure out un, unimportant logistics of the the renovations of this house. Please go on. Or mansion.
1: It's not a mansion. Castle. Um. Cottage. <laughs> It's kind of like a cottage, yeah. Not that small, but yeah, kind of like a cottage. Okay. Anyways, it's got a super old window frame, and it also has the earliest surviving board for an old board game called Nine Men's Morris, which appears carved into a stone ingle nook dated 1540. So the building is just old as fuck. It has seen a ton of history. Later on, the building would be converted to serve as an inn, and supposedly it had already earned a reputation for hauntings, though few accounts seem to survive from before the time the current owner took over. Okay. So we've got a few accounts of, like, spooky happenings before the current owner took over, but once he took over, that's when everything started gaining notoriety. Okay. By 1965, it was beginning to crumble and fall apart. The wooden beams had fallen prey to an infestation of the Death Watch beetle, which never sounds good, while the dry stone walling was crumbling. The building was then listed for demolition as part of a council plan to widen the road. But it was saved when John Humphreys, a former train driver, purchased the property in 1968. And John is the current owner. Well, we'll get to that. Sure. So John saved the building from demolition. He moved straight into the inn, bringing his wife and three daughters with him. The place was semi-derelict, however, and had no running water, and it still does not have running water to this day. These factors, combined with the ghostly encounters that John reports experiencing from day one, soon put pressure on his family. After purchasing this home, John Humphreys lost his wife, his money, and for a while, his relationship with his children, as he stubbornly refused to ever move out of the ancient Ram Inn. Tiny tidbit about John Humphreys, as much as I'll talk about the inn itself, it's hard to talk about the inn and the paranormal activities without also talking about John. Sure. So John is also the one who brought the place to notoriety. He would bring people in for tours. He's been, you can look up many interviews and videos and walkthroughs with him. This man is a character. Yeah. He's like a spirit in and of himself he's this little old englishman who's obviously balding but he's just combed everything forward and he's just a little like he he looks like a man who doesn't have it all going on which according to him he's a man who's being tormented by these ghosts day and night being so visited sure, by all together,
0: being tormented by ghosts and demons every night or whatever
1: exactly it makes sense so just realize, anytime we talk about John, John is a fucking character. Speaking of John, on his first night that he stayed in the inn, he stayed there overnight by himself before bringing in his wife and daughters. He stayed in the inn and he experienced something that would, if I experienced it, I would immediately be like, oh, <laughs> I have We're made done a huge here. We're mistake. Done. Huge mistake. Yeah. The very first night as he was sleeping, John was pulled by his ankle no. out of bed no. by an unseen force. Absolutely not. Yanked out the bed. And he said, uh, that was weird. And he started researching the was house. Like, and just went and back to bed was, like
0: nothing happened.
1: I mean, he never left. He wasn't like, he didn't nope the fuck out of there. He didn't tell his wife He was like, kids. I gotta look
0: into this in the morning.
1: And he's like, I'll worry about that in the morning. What a weird dream. I must have been sleepwalking again. Like, <laughs> he started researching the history of the house and he was horrified to discover an ancient burial ground lay beneath. Naturally. So it was recorded that there was a pagan burial ground under, under the house. Years later, John gave a group of ghost hunters from nearby Swindon, June of 1997, permission to tear up parts of the concrete floor while searching for the entrance to a sealed cellar. But instead, as John is quoted saying, that's where they found the little children's bones. So as they dug to find an entrance to a cellar, they instead found a grave containing the remains of a woman and a child buried along with broken iron shards. These pieces were then analyzed by the Bristol Museum, who conceded that the signs may point to this having been a ritual sacrifice, and these pieces were pieces from an iron dagger. The ghost hunters, meanwhile, suffered a car crash on their way back home. Uh! Coincidence? John doesn't think so. Tell us, John. Another ghost alert. One day while he was doing a tour, a man and his son who took a visit were in the kitchen, which is where the burial pit is. So they opened up that pit, they found the bodies, they took the stuff out to be examined, and then John just left that hole in the floor. Right. So it is open, and I'll post pictures and I'll send you pictures later. John, but it's just you an crazy, open piece of floor. Of a bitch. And it says, it's got like a marker in it that says ancient burial ground yeah of course so this man and his son were visiting and they went into the kitchen where that was and then they ran out of the kitchen screaming claiming that they had seen a ghostly woman rising out of the grave
0: yeah i bet they fucking
1: did Caroline Humphreys, John's daughter, the one daughter that he was able to really rekindle a relationship, and she currently runs the property, she's been quoted as saying that once we had disturbed one grave, we didn't want to go digging any further, and we've left the house exactly as it stands. Yeah. And they did. That kitchen has that hole where that grave is. They didn't dig any further down, and they didn't cover it up. Now, John's original plan was to turn the place into a bed and breakfast, which makes sense because it is a cute little historic cottage with multiple rooms, but he obviously forgot to take into account that the place was already full and had no vacancies because it had a ton of ghosts in it. Sure. Even after his first adventure, that first night's adventure, John moved forward with the bed and breakfast plan and his wife and his daughters eventually joined him. But- things went dark fast. Past guests who stayed in the home fled from the house in the middle of the night after claiming to have seen furniture flying around the bedrooms, visions of a little girl wandering the hallways, and have even been pushed down onto a bed by a randy incubus. Some have leapt from the first floor windows at the back of the property onto a grass slope from a height of a few feet, No one has been hurt. And Caroline Humphreys recalls, when I was a child, I was so scared of the house, I used to sleep in a van outside. And it was normal for us to see guests running out of the house screaming in terror. Fuck that. Fuck that. I'm assuming John did like a non-refundable deposit, if that (laughs) happens so frequently. (laughs) He's like, no, you can't get your money back. It's called a bread and book fest. So you got booked. Uh, Caroline Humphreys has also been quoted as saying, once I woke up and found a chest of drawers hovering over my bed, and then it crashed down the staircase. Oh my God, that's horrifying. Isn't that terrifying? She also has said people have told us that they've seen a high priestess sitting in one of the bedrooms objects move and spin and we used to hear the ghosts of murdered children screaming and crying in one of the bedrooms. When? When were those children murdered there? I'll get to it. We put some children's toys in the room for them to play with and they don't cry as much anymore, she said. Bruh. So when I talk about child death, I'll get to it a little bit more, but both John and Caroline have ascribed to the fact that this was a pagan burial ground for all of the children that they okay, killed. And that fair. there's yeah, just yeah.
0: We talk about that kids a bit.
1: buried everywhere. Now, here's a checklist that I found online for signs that your B&B might be haunted. And all of these below apply to the ancient ramen. So anytime you go looking for a bed and breakfast, just keep this checklist in mind.
0: Thank you. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize.
1: Is it built on the site of an ancient burial ground? How do I find that out? Research, Stephanie, Google. Also, is it built on the side of an ancient burial ground that is also the scene of child sacrifice and devil worship? Google it. Is it built on the intersection of two ley lines, which I'll get into in a minute, which are known for their spiritual energy? That's also just a map quest search away. And has there been a woman who stayed in one of the rooms where she was labeled a witch and later burned at the stake? So there's your easy checklist. If any of those boxes is checked, you might have a haunted B&B.
0: Sure, sure, sure.
1: So a little bit about the ley lines, because I'm not going to get into it because I don't really ascribe to this theory. But ley lines are lines on the map. That's basically if you can draw a straight line from a significant spot, just like around. I don't even understand it. It's just like a straight line that someone has chosen to say that this is a straight line going from this spot to this spot. And that means that spiritual energy can pass along this line. And apparently there's a line that goes through the ancient Ram Inn that also goes through Stonehenge. And so people are like, ooh, that means there's definitely Stonehenge ghosts whatever if you are interested in ley lines and learning more about ley lines it is not going to happen in this episode <laughs> you can research it on your own i'm not buying into that any sounds of like
0: that sounds like something for you time
1: that sounds like your own homework if you want to do it paranormal happenings let's talk about some of the ghosts so Caroline, again, the daughter, has been quoted as saying, paranormal experts just love staying here, but we couldn't carry on running the house as a normal bed and breakfast. It's just too haunted. So they stopped running it as a and b but they do leave it open for paranormal investigation. She says, I don't think we'll ever be able to sell the house. No one in their right mind would buy it. But after nearly 50 years here, I've accepted that we have to live with some unwanted house guests. One time, Mr. Humphreys, John, who was a collector of antiques, once found a painting of this pastor named Mr. John Wesley. When he tried to hang the painting in the stairwell, apparently it triggered something on the property, and he suddenly heard loud banging on all of the windows and banging on doors that had been closed for years, and those same doors would swing open and slam shut. And apparently his daughter's dog was too scared to even come close to the stairwell while the painting was in place. John Humphrey said that that painting was quickly removed. Typical ghost bullshit happens. Pictures fall off the walls. Objects are just moved around, but not when you're watching them. It's like you set your keys down in the key dish. You go to find them and they're not there. They're on the fucking counter somewhere else because the goddamn ghost moved (sighs) it. I think it happens to all of us all the time and it's just ghost playing pranks where I'll be like, I swear I put my glasses down here and then I'll turn around and they're not there, but they're on the table three feet away. It's just a ghost. Don't worry. I didn't forget about the incubus and the succubus that I've been throwing around. Oh, good. I was waiting. (laughs) I knew you were. I know you were waiting with bated breath. John claims that both of these inhabit the home and he's had experiences with both. Like, sexual experiences with both? Yes. At the same time? Not at the same time. (laughs) Though, honestly, after watching John's interviews about it, I don't think he would have not been down for that idea. Spark notes on the incubus and succubus, and this is literal, just very basic, basic, um... I'll just keep using spark note as a reference because that's all I can think of right now about incubus and succubus. That could be a whole nother episode in and of itself. But a succubus is a quote unquote female spirit who comes down to force sex with a man to suck out his seed. 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 She just right on out. Give me that seed boy. Give me that. I imagine with a turkey baster. That's always what I imagine. She just not with her vagina.
0: She uses a turkey baster.
1: She has a turkey baster in her vagina I was gonna She's say, oh, okay. Talented.
0: Okay, okay. I was gonna say, does she take it out with the turkey baster, or does she put a turkey baster, like kiss it, hold a hole up to the peen to suck out? Or does she put the turkey baster tip inside the head of the peen to suck the These are
1: these are the real scientific questions that we I, need be I need to know.
0: I need to know. me like maybe there's strange anatomy to a succubus that I hadn't encountered and therefore hadn't taken into this equation.
1: You're so right. Maybe. Maybe I I'm, I'm honestly not sure. What I know is she the seed. Okay, sure, and sure, then sure. The the incubus is the one who's then supposed to go and have the sex with a woman and just it into the woman.
0: Gotcha, and that's how they make more babies.
1: And that's I think how they make devil babies. That is
0: wildly inefficient because or
1: redheads because that's how gingers are made. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I can say that because I'm part ginger.
0: You're part ginger, but you also, like, you know, you, like, ginger it up. Well,
1: what does that mean?
0: I mean, you dye it a, a, spicy? a, a spicier shade of ginger.
1: I haven't dyed my hair in a long time. <laughs> this is all me. All
0: right, girl. Anyways,
1: a succubus and an incubus, <laughs> usually they're sexual demons. Yes. But it is not consensual sexual oh, demons right. nine uh, times out of ten.
0: There's a band named after that.
1: <laughs> Err. Yeah. So there is a Ghost Adventures episode where they go and visit the Ancient Ram Inn. Yeah, they do. You know I've already watched it like three times, but I'm not going to give you a breakdown of the episode. If you're interested in that, we have bonus content called What That Ghost Do, $10 a month. Check it out. But in the Ghost Adventures episode, like they go, they introduce themselves to John. He opens the door. And I swear to God, the third sentence out of John's mouth is that there is a spirit here in this house that will demand sex with you. And he just says it. Almost like proud.
0: <laughs> he's like, like it's going to happen. Happen happens sometime. Like, maybe this time he'll have sex with you.
1: Maybe this time. And later on, he also says, uh, well, I've had an encounter with the succubus six times in the last three months. <laughs> and he's got that little smirk on his face again. And I'm like, John, I you just bastard. Imagined,
0: I just imagine he has like a dream problem. And he just keeps and being, that's like, what he thinks he's it like, is. Oh, the succubus came to me last night.
1: That's it. We got wild. I don't know. All I know is he's got a little smirk on his face when he says it. He does always say that he sleeps with his Bible right next to him. And when he feels the succubus coming, he gets his Bible and he tells the Lord to tell it to go away. And it'll go away. But, you know, what happens between John and the succubus happens between John and the succubus. And it's not our business. Sure. Until John wants to tell us about it. What happens in their bedroom stays in their bedroom.
0: That's fair, yeah. Let's take
1: a tour of the house.
0: <laughs> Let's do it.
1: We're going to start from top to bottom. The attic. So the attic has reports of people hearing a dragging sound, something heavy being dragged across the floor, sure. along with the sound of something being dropped. Now, mm-hmm. the story here is that one of the past owner's daughters were murdered and hung from the rafter in the attic. Mediums and paranormal investigators say that the daughter has spoken to them and is still in the attic and identifies herself as Elizabeth. And on a rare occasion, people have come up to the attic and seen her hanging from the rafters.
0: Boo, I hate it. Ah!
1: But at least she's not fucking screaming. I guess. Because she's wrong. She can't. Next we go to the witch's room. Maybe her friends went up and, you know, like hung onto her legs help pull her down hit her in the stomach a little bit yeah
0: try and you know help it go quicker
1: or to at least give quicker. her amnesia so she didn't remember when she survived it <laughs> when she wakes up in a hospital right uh if you've listened from the beginning you, you would, would know, know that
0: yeah we didn't do that this episode by the we way we didn't
1: do that <sighs>
0: i thought about it after weird. the fact it's a weird day you know
1: you know what welcome we're glad you're here let's go to the witch's room the story goes in the witch's room that in the 16th century, a woman who had been staying at the inn was accused of witchcraft. Shocking. Witch. Shocking. She was probably just 30 and single and right. they were like, that's not normal. they like spinster witch. Witch. She came back to the inn to hide out when the townspeople found her, took her, and burned her at the stake. Yeah, they did. In some tellings of this story, she's taken and burned along with her black cat, Familiar. Aw, kitty. I know, kitty. Today, she still haunts that room where she had hid from the townspeople, appearing at the bedside to anyone stupid enough to spend the night. John describes her as being horrible and says that she will scratch people. People will leave the room with three distinct scratches on themselves.
0: Ooh, Other spooky. accounts that
1: I read, however, said that she was semi-friendly. So maybe it just depends on her mood that day. Yeah, sure. Which is fair.
0: And you know what? Who's the same from day to day? She's, you know, she's been around a while. Feelings are, and emotions are complicated.
1: Exactly. Give her a break. She's been captured in photographs looking out of the window. So people have captured pictures of what they say is her face looking out the window. And what was that about her cat? Well, the spirit of a cat has been seen in this room. All right. People speculate that the cat was the witch's familiar. However, the mummified body of a cat was found within one of the walls of the witch's room. So maybe it was just a random stray cat that never left. Who knows? Who knows? And we don't know Up next, whether or not the the cat went first. No, they don't know. Who went first? The witch or the cat? I don't know. I don't know. All right. I don't know. Up next is the bishop's room. And this room is considered to be the most haunted room in the entire inn. And it's on the first floor. Give it to me. Apparently. What happens in there? No less than nine entities reside in this room. So they are just stacked on top of each other.
0: Yeah, I'm like, they're ghosts. They're, they're stacked on each other. There's a bunch of them all in that room. All them entities. A whole bunch of
1: all in that room. All like sardines. It was a major fire hazard. There it is. There's also the friendly ghost of a small Cavalier King Charles dog. that's okay. It's often seen in the corner of the room. And apparently, it's the only nice entity in that entire oh, no. room. There's the spirit of a dark monk. Some bishops and nuns are also seen and felt. I do felt in air quotes. I like that. All right. John believes that devil worshiping took place in this room. Now, why does John believe that devil worshiping took place in that room? Because it did. Because... Because he was there. No, uh, because he was messing with stones in the chimney one day, and a few of them fell loose. And when he looked inside of the hole behind the stones, he did find this box.
0: He said Satan was here.
1: Basically, this box, um, it was a time capsule and it had all of their old Polaroids from when they did their Satan worship. Yeah. And it was really funny because there was one that was of the devil, but like he was asleep and they wrote loser on his forehead and then drew a penis like coming in his mouth, like on the side of his face. They took a snapshot. But then they put it in the chimney because the devil was like, no one can ever see that. Uh, But then John found it and now the house is haunted. Sure. So- yeah. No, Um, he found a box with some horseshoes in it that he claims are definitely proof of devil worship because they are much heavier than a normal horseshoe would be. And they're also smaller and shaped into what looks like it would fit a goat. Okay. And of course, the belief is that when devil worshippers call upon the devil, he appears to them in the body of a goat.
0: That walks upright, right? Like a man.
1: Yes, yes. So they were like, we got you some new shoes. We worship you. And I don't know. John and then he's like, that what's that
0: like to live deliciously?
1: <laughs> and they're like, yes. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> so he found that in the chimney of the room. Some people claim to have been lifted by something unseen and thrown across this room. No. Nope. The bed What So the room has like three beds in it. One of the beds also tends to levitate. Here's a weird story that I couldn't find a ton about. Oftentimes the screams of a man are heard. Nope. (laughs) This man was apparently killed in the room by having his head pushed into the fire over and over and over again. Nope. Until he died. Nope. Fuck that. But- all I heard of that were uh, retellings verbally. I could not find any written record re-
0: corroborate of that. It. Sure. Happening.
1: But it sounds awful. Sure did. They also apparently they also apparently see a Roman centurion who's appeared on horseback and just ridden his horse right through the walls of the bishop's room, completely terrifying two plumbers who were working there. Sure. <laughs> now I take this story with a grain of salt. Because the house doesn't have running water. Right. So, but I found this story in a few places of them being like, this Roman centurion on a horse came through and scared these two plumbers. And I'm like, well, it's because those plumbers were in the wrong house. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't supposed to be there. There's no pipes there. Anyway, apparently that happens. Lastly, and certainly not leastly, I saved it for you. Okay. The spirit of a young woman is seen. She appears on the ceiling, hanging upside down by her legs. No. But I don't think she screams. I was like, is she
0: screaming or laughing?
1: No. (laughs) Oh, I don't think she does anything. I think she just watches you judgingly. No. What's worse? I don't know. I don't like it. In the Ghost Adventures episode as they're walking through this room, John Humphreys just casually mentions that 10 people have had to go and get exorcisms after hanging out in the bishop's room. What? No big deal. Just ten. Get out. And they leave it at that. And any time before John enters this room, he always knocks on the door and asks if anyone is inside.
0: This is the only room he does it for. That's fair.
1: Of course. Now, the last room that we're going to go to is the barn. Certainly not least one of the bigger spaces. It is said to be haunted by a large black figure, believed to be a man around seven feet tall. He oh lingers God. around the front, yeah, large around figure. Around 7 feet tall. He's like a very big Roughly. Christmas tree. He lingers around the front entryway of the barn. People think it's because he's protecting something. And he might be protecting all of the child graves that are around him. <laughs> no. John says that when they were making renovations to the barn, they were putting up a new wall. And when they dug into the ground, bam,
0: kid graves, Child graves, Yeah, 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 yeah. Bodies. Bones. Children's bones.
1: Bones! Bodies all along one Chains! Wall. Chains! No chains, though, thank God. Bones all no along. No
0: chains, lo- just children's bones.
1: Now, I will say, when John was doing the walkthrough, he was like, they found bodies here, bodies. Children. And I'm like, well, were they kids? Or like, do you just want it to be kids? Like, do you know that for a fact? Anyways. They found some bodies in the barn. In the barn, people tend to get picked up and moved around. One time a kid was in there with his dad. And according to the father, the kid was levitated off the ground six inches, held there for about 10 seconds, and then thrown across the room and into the wall. Woof. People have also reported being chased out of the barn by that big old seven foot shadow. Not a fun place. I'll wrap it up with this. Uh, In the Ghost Adventures episode, John describes the house and the occurrences as not being that of a ghost, but that the house in itself is a host because of how many entities do reside in the home. Yeah. It's estimated from paranormal investigators, researchers, people who have come in, they claim that there could be about 90, nine zero different entities in this house alone. Now, in this Ghost Adventures episode, I'm going to give you a few things that they capture just because I think it's pretty funny, especially because you kind of know Ghost Adventures a little bit more now. <laughs> and if you want more content like this, go over to Patreon. When they were in the witch's room, Zach gets a disembodied voice, which a disembodied voice is something that happens real time. So you hear it. The disembodied voice just simply says, I don't like you. In the bishop's room, they also catch a disembodied voice that says, I don't like you either. Just kidding. I wish, though. I wish it said that. Actually, it says, I hate you. So it took it up a notch. Scary.
0: It said, "Kill yourself."
1: It said, "Kill yourself. Stop it." <laughs> and then back in the witch's room, Zach is alone, and Zach is in there taunting the witch. And later on, an EVP is captured of a woman's voice laughing in the most condescending manner. It's I don't like it. Wonderful. No, I love it. I feel like Zach did his bullshit and he left the room and she was like, this fuck." So, yeah, he thought
0: something was going to happen. You don't know about me, bitch.
1: Stupid idiot. (laughs) And that's my story about the ancient Ram Inn. Today, uh, John unfortunately passed away at the age of 89 in 2007 and he never left the home. He stayed in that home until he died. Since then, his daughter Caroline has taken over running the inn. It is only open for ghost tours and no longer does overnight stays unless you're a paranormal team. But it is still open and the building still stands, which is good because it is a major piece of history. Yeah. And that's the Ancient Ram Inn. Uh, wow. And before I wrap up, I just want to plug a few of my uh, sources. I found a really great article from someone who actually went visited the inn, sat down, and had a one-on-one sort of interview conversation with John Humphreys, and the entire article is very well written, and it's from a website called exutopia.com, so it's exutopia.com, fantastic article. I also got a lot of my direct quotes from John and Caroline from the Daily Mail UK. I also obviously watched Ghost Adventures And I have to plug this new podcast that I found. This podcast is called True Hauntings. And it's these two Australian ladies who have the best accents and they're precious. Their banter is fantastic. They actually go and investigate or tour the places that they talk about. So they actually went and toured the ancient Ram Inn and their episode about the ancient Ram Inn is fantastic. And one thing that they did in their episode is at the end of their episodes, they ask, so what do you think? Is this a true haunting? And they sort of discuss whether this is a real haunting or maybe if this is something that's been blown up or maybe if it's a complete scam or con that people are just using to make money. It's awesome. I highly recommend True Hauntings on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Do they it. are fantastic. And I have not reached out to them or contacted them. They don't know us. I just found it. And I was like, oh, these ladies are amazing. And they talk about doing, they did another ghost tour somewhere else. And they talked about how they were there with all of these young men. And they're these like in their 40s older women. <laughs> oh, they're just precious. They're so great. And that's my story. It was a long one because I've been prepping it for a while and because there's so much that happens there. Ghosts. Ghosts. Okay. All right. You're welcome. I don't know. You didn't say thank you, but you're welcome.
0: <laughs> thank you, Sarah. Thank you for sharing. <sighs> oh. I was debating on if I was gonna do all of this in one story or if I was gonna split this into two stories. Ooh. Um, and looking at the time, I think I'm gonna split this into two stories, which is Ooh, okay. so this is part one. So this is part one of a two parter right.
1: I'm ready. I'm excited.
0: I'm I'm excited, excited, and scared. Uh, like Little Red Riding Hood from Into the Woods. Sarah, what do you know about the Moonies?
1: Oh, not much. I know that it was a cult. Is a cult?
0: Right? Earlier this week, I was, like, kind of curious, because I was like, what do I know? I don't really know about the Moonies. I've heard of the Moonies. I don't know anything about them. What they believe in, who they are. Did something happen to them? Did they have some her. sort of mass thing where they weren't a thing anymore? Are they still going? All those questions and more are going to be answered today.
1: <laughs> I'm ready.
0: And I tell you a little bit about the Moonies. Let's
1: go. So...
0: I'm going to go ahead and put a a weird thing out there before I start this story, which is that in learning about the Moonies and who they are and kind of where they've gone from their earlier times, I'm going to go ahead and put this out there. I had to confront a lot of my own internal biases, and I still have a lot of questions, but there are a lot of things that shocked me about this group that I realize – I realize a lot of assumptions that I've had about different kind of calls. <laughs> okay. So so that's what I'm going to put out there. And what I mean by that, uh, you're going to understand as I go into it. So who are the Moonies, right? Well, the Moonies is kind of like a colloquial term. It's only used in the U.S. That's used to talk about the Unification Church, which started as the Unification Movement uh has since become the Family Federation for World Peace and Unification. They have all kinds of different names. But why are they called the Moonies? Because it was started by a man in the 1950s whose name is Sun Myung Moon. And Sun Myung Moon was a Korean. He was from what is now North Korea. But at the time, because he was born in 1920, so this was before North Korea and South Korea split. So he was just from, like, Korea in his time. Now, one of the things about the Moonies, and this is where my first, like, huh, of my own assumptions about different cultures. I'm okay. always fascinated by Asian Christian people. I don't know why. I do know why. Because I'm an American, and my view of Christianity is a very American-centric, for better or worse, um, Christian understanding, right?
1: I think that's fair. They're also the most outspoken.
0: Right. And like. we'll and like we're from America and we're used to seeing a lot of like American Christianity, to which there's, you know, America has its own like totally original sects of Christianity like Mormonism, evangelicalism. There are more, but I think of all these very American forms of Christianity that sometimes I forget that there are Asian Christian people. And that's my own bias, but at the same time, I'm like, so that immediately fascinated me about the Moonies, okay? Okay. So the Moonies started as a Korean sect of Christianity, okay? The leader of the Moonies, like I said, his name was Sun Myung Moon, and he had married his first wife, and then they got divorced, and then he married his second wife, and his second wife, her name is Hak Jahan, okay? Okay. And Hak and Sun Myung Moon, they are considered the true parents. Now, I said that in quotation fingers. Now, what I mean by that is, like many cults, right? Why do we, why do we use the word cult? This is a form of Christianity, like we mentioned before. Some of them well, can all be argued as being cults. Yes, but. So, one of the things digress. that distinguishes a cult, right, is that they have one charismatic leader, right, that they all Worship, basically, as not just the leader of the cult, but as someone who is, like, deified and holy, right? But nobody, as they say, nobody joins a cult, right? Part of joining a cult is this, like, deceptive joining thing. So, like, you get people to join, and after they're already invested, you're like, here's what we believe in. So when they pull people into the Moonies... They don't tell them that part of it is that they believe that Sun Myung Moon is the second coming of Jesus Christ.
1: Right. They're like, have you seen these dancers? It's called. We do that. (laughs) Right, 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 right.
0: They're like, we're, we're really into like world peace and like doing good deeds. And, like, bringing peace and harmony and, like, unifying. That's where the unification comes from. Like, unifying the different sects of Christianity and realizing, like, we're all in this together, right? And then later, it's like, oh, and part of it is that we have our true father, who is Sun Myung Moon, who is actually the second coming of Jesus. Jesus. Right. And the idea, right, the idea is that God has according to even the Bible, right, to their interpretation of the Bible, God has had multiple, like, tries with trying to fix his mistakes with humanity through a human, right? Now, we had Adam was the first human, and they have first Adam, which is like Adam, right? And then there's second Adam, which second Adam was Jesus. And then uh, now we have the second coming of Jesus, which is our true father, Son, Myung So,
1: and then we get the PlayStation 4 as the next one. And then the PlayStation
0: 4 was the next one. So, one of the things we have to think about so, Sun Myung Moon was growing up in Korea. He's super Christian. He was brought up Presbyterian specifically. That's the denomination that he grew up with. Got it. As he was growing up, so then Korea went into the Korean War. So, remember, I was talking about how he was where he's from is now part of North Korea. But Korea was not separate at the time that he was coming up. That happened while he was growing up. And he was a staunch anti-communist. So it was really, he was having a lot of trouble in Northern Korea because Northern Korea was controlled by the communists. So part of his, like, mission, right, was they were sending missionaries. And it's weird because I think missionaries coming from, like, I guess the U.S. to go wherever – but they sent missionaries from Korea over to the U.S. to try and spread unification yeah. and the unification movement. And I'm like, huh, the reverse of kind of what I'm used to hearing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, isn't that backwards?
0: So they've sent missionaries all over the world. It's really only in the U.S. that people call them the Moonies. That's uh, an American thing. and It's just a nickname for them. They don't really call themselves that. That's the Americans are like, oh, the Moonies. So what are some of the things aside from the fact that Sun Myung Moon is the second coming of Jesus? Like, what are some of the other things that they believe? They're anti-communist. We talked about that. They are otherwise like, they are pretty conservative. So they believe in like traditional marriage, like between a man and a woman. Um, they supported Richard Nixon. There are, uh, and Sun Myung Moon. Met Richard Nixon. There's like pictures of them handshaking when the whole Watergate scandal happened. Cool. A bunch of people from the Unification Church like stood outside and like prayed for him. <laughs> and they were like, go Nixon. Like we love you. Oh. So they're right. So they're really into that. They own a conservative paper called the Washington Times, which is a very like openly conservative publication. This is the
1: Shenyang cult. It's the it's same not.
0: thing. It's <laughs> not. It's a totally different cult. It's the same cult. thing. No, and they're from China. These people are from Korea. Get it together, Sarah.
1: Same cult, different continent, country, <laughs> whatever.
0: <laughs> I told you, I had to I had to accept my own biases to learn about this cult, where I was like, why am I so shocked by this?
1: This cult is like, let me copy your homework, and Yu but- was like, okay, but just change it up a little bit.
0: But it continues to get weirder, right? Okay. So one of the other things we talk about with cults, right? They're not, they're encouraged not only to not talk to people that don't believe in what they believe, but anybody who like was in the church and then left the church, those people have to be like disassociated. Like you can't talk to them anymore. You're not in the family, blah, 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 blah. So this, like I said, started in the late fifties, early sixties. It really, really grew in the seventies when we saw a lot of basically People who were, like, former hippies, people who who were young people that were, like, hippies in the 60s, they came out of that, and they were looking now for more, like, more, like, purpose and community, and it really appealed to people who, especially were those, like, young, educated people who weren't into, like, the free love, like, drug part of the 60s like they're into the building the community and like doing good for the other people but not into like doing drugs and having sex like that wasn't their thing
1: that's like how um i mean like how jim jones was able to really start the people's temple is the same thing in the same time period is yeah you've got this whole generation of people who are now looking for their next better purpose and then these cults were like got you fam
0: Yeah. So what brought him to believe that he was the second coming, right? So Moon had said that when he was 15 years old, he had a vision that Jesus came to him. And Jesus had to come to him multiple times because he was not ready to hear what Jesus had to say.
1: Sure. He was a teenager.
0: Right? Because he was only 15. And what Jesus had to say is like, look... God tried to make things work through Adam, and then there was original sin, and, like, that didn't work. And then, like, he tried to make things happen with me, but then, like, I was crucified, and I didn't get married or have any babies, so, like, I didn't get to keep that going. So now your job is to get married and have lots of babies and, like, spread the word of God of what it's supposed to be, and um, you're the new Messiah, you're me, and, like, go forth and, like, make babies and be Christian and, like, spread Christianity.
1: Spread the word of God and your seed everywhere.
0: Everywhere. When he married Hak Jahan, she was 17 and he was 40 years old. <laughs> yes.
1: Stop.
0: Yes. So there we talk about.
1: There's the cult.
0: Right. Then being like the true parent. So what that means is that people who followed that religion um, were to understand Sun Myung Moon and Hak Jahan as like they are our mother and father. Like forget your like earthly mother and father because he is the second coming of Christ, he is God. So him and his wife, like that's who we need to like look to as our mother and father because they're our that's our they're our true parents. They're our true spiritual parents.
1: It sounds like dad just had a midlife crisis and brought in a real young new stepmommy. That I'm supposed to call mom, but she's younger than me.
0: Well, she's into it. She she was like, "Yeah, let's do this." So,
1: <laughs> I hate it.
0: It's a lot, right? It's a lot to process. So, after coming to America, um, not the movie, but the experience for this couple
1: is the movie based on this story.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> the Eddie Murphy very movie loosely. "Coming to America" is not based on the Moonies.
1: Very, very loosely based.
0: <laughs> so. One of the things that brought them a lot of attention in the 80s, like, where people started to hear about them and know who they were, was because they became famous for having these very large, what they called, blessing ceremonies. And blessing ceremonies were arranged marriages. And they're not child brides. Like, at least the people they're arranging to be married are, like, generally, like, in their 20s, right? Okay. But still, like. The church tells you who to marry, and that's who you're going to have your kids with and, like, grow in the church with. And they do it in these massive ceremonies. And I'm talking, like, stadiums full of people where they're like, all right, you two are all married. Everybody, you're married to the person next to you. You're married.
1: You're I all married. I saw this on TikTok. I yeah. saw one of those.
0: You may have. Um so that's what's, uh, that's, that was kind of what called a lot of attention to them. And people are like, what's up with this call and their marriages and whatever. So <laughs> this is what going on for, for decades. They bought in 1976. I did not know this. They bought the New Yorker Hotel, which I'm like, I've seen the New Yorker Hotel. I've been there a bunch of times and they renovated it because it had been run down and then they reopened it in 1990. 1990- Four as a hotel again. They already owned it and they had people staying there. People who came for like conventions or what have you for the unification church. But they also renovated it and then started renting it out as a hotel again. So that became a source of income for them. So they've got this hotel. They've got the Washington Times newspaper. Um, and then we'll get into other <laughs> things that people in the Moon family own now. But that was their main source of income for a good Like 30, 40 years. So they're bringing people in. They're selling candy, flowers on the street to raise money for the church. They have a lot of different sources of income. So they bring in some good, good money. So Sun Myung Moon and his family, they live it up, right? So him and his wife, Hak Jahan, they end up having a total of 14 children, okay? They got a lot of kids.
1: Oh my gosh, they were busy.
0: They were busy worshiping the Lord.
1: Worshipping the Lord between the sheets.
0: Worshiping the Lord and you know themselves because they believe themselves to be somewhat the Lord incarnate. So things are going pretty good for them. One of the good things I will say they have going on is that they're they <laughs> they're like racism is bad, but they're you know they're like we're Asian, we're coming to America, it shouldn't matter what we look like, like we're Christians and we're doing like the good stuff, like racism is bad, and don't be racist to black people. And I'm like Okay, like I guess sure, that's a good. I
1: agree, but <laughs>
0: <Sure>. <laughs> right, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Uh... Um so that was like the one thing that like they were pretty okay on, but everything else they're just like that's bad, gay people are bad, you know, communism's bad, everything's bad. Um Great. that's not what we're into. So the moonies are still going. Like I said, they are now the Unification Church. They've had a bunch of different names. But Sun Myung Moon himself, he actually died in 2012. He was 92 years old. He died from complications from pneumonia because, you know, he was old as shit. Yeah. So when he died, however, remember I said he had 16 children?
1: (laughs) Oh, who's going to take the throne?
0: Right. So at least... Five of the 16 children claimed that they were the heir to the unification church. Because Jesus
1: told me so.
0: Because because the Bible told me so. It's in the song. You know, Uh Jesus loves me this, I know. For the Bible tells me so, I'm the leader of the church now. Daddy died. Jesus told me so. Jesus told me so. So... The church broke up into a bunch of different sects. There are now tons of different offshoots of the Unification Church that all kind of argue with each other about who's the legitimate form of the Unification Church. The largest, the one that is really like the still the one that he led, is the one that calls itself the Unification Church, also known as the Family Federation for World Peace and Unifications. Um, that is still, to this day, it's read by Hak Jahan. So it's led by his late wife, his second wife, who he was, you know, more than (laughs) 20 years her senior. So she's probably still got some years. Right. Exactly. So she's still got some time. So she's leading the original, quote unquote, because everybody claims that they're the original, right? That they're the way that his dad, that their dad would have wanted it to go. Mm -hmm. She's the one that's leading the original church. Uh, there is also the Unification Church of the United States, which is just like a, Coffee, it's just like a, a little side a little thing. Bit. Right. And they're still into anti-communism, but they're like, they don't have the numbers, right? They've kind of fizzled out a little bit. And then the one that we are going to talk about next time, which is the one that I found out about in looking through the movies that really kind of freaks me out a little bit is actually a Pennsylvania based organization that is the World Peace and Unification Sanctu- uh, Sanctuary Church, also known as the Rod of Iron Ministries. This is led by, uh, Hyung Jin Moon, who to most people is known as Pastor Sean Moon. And Sean has a brother who goes by Justin Moon. They go by their American names. And the Rod of Iron Ministries Uh, he takes the Rod of Iron passage from the Revelation section of the Bible, and he believes that to be talking about AR-15 assault rifles, which they like to bring to their worship meetings. And we're gonna talk about them next week. Uh, And- I just,
1: I, I can't.
0: It is a very American right-wing organization, as you can imagine. But the part that really surprises me is that it's led by a Korean man.
1: Is it? They're Koreans, yeah.
0: (laughs) But they're Korean-American, very fiercely proud of their American heritage and their love of the rod of iron, which is the AK-47.
1: You would think they were born on a ranch...
0: You would think that they were white, right? You would assume that they were white.
1: I would be like these white men on their bullshit, but now I have to just be like these men on their now, bullshit.
0: White supremacy is not a part of their thing, but they definitely hate the gays and they love guns. And we'll get into that next week. <sighs>
1: hate the gays, love guns, and think that they're God. I mean, what is more American? If
0: that's not American, right. If that's not American, I don't know what is.
1: I don't know what is. Oh, and we'll talk man.
0: about that next week.
1: Wow. Oh, my gosh. I'm, like, weirdly looking forward to it, but not like, oh, this is good, but in, sure. like, a, this is a car wreck. And I. Oh, I
0: told shit. you, I can't stop thinking about it, and it's, like, horrifying, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I, I was racist for thinking that it would have to be a white person leading a group like this to be so surprised You're to so see right. an Asian man leading this group. And the more I watch it and the more I'm fascinated by it, I can't wait to tell you more because it is all shocking, to be perfectly honest. But I'm learning something about my own biases and the assumptions that I make that I'm trying to unlearn.
1: It just shows me everyone can be hateful.
0: It's true, man. Hateful. There's hateful, more than hateful. one way to be hateful. And, and ain't that America?
1: <laughs> Honestly. I'm just a little surprised that it's in Pennsylvania because that sounds like some Texas bullshit.
0: Oh, no. You got to remember, I mean, we church. live in Philly, but Philly yeah,
1: there is, is not Taki. like
0: the rest of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is is often but a is, red state.
1: Is Pennsylvania an open carry state? I didn't think I believe it so. Was.
0: I believe it is.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Pencil I'm gonna Google it right now. Pencil Hold on, tune in.
1: We're gonna find out right now, live on the air. Is Pennsylvania an open carry state?
0: Let's see to summarize, open carry is legal in Pennsylvania without a license to carry a firearms, except in cities of the first class quote unquote like Philadelphia. So in PA, yes, in Philadelphia, no.
1: And you can carry it without having your license. Yeah. I hate this country sometimes. <laughs> and we're like, why do these kids keep killing each other in school?
0: Oh, man. Maybe yeah. We're, we're going to gonna talk about this next week. <laughs>
1: uh, all right. Tune in next yeah, week. You're going to learn more. You're going to learn
0: everything you didn't want to know about the Sanctuary oh, Church next no. week. Oh. But, yeah, that's about it. I want to thank everybody for listening to our podcast. You can support us by going to our website, DeadTimeStoriesWithAZ.com, by emailing us, DeadTimeStories at gmail.com. You can go to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash stories. And, of course, the best way that you can help us is with a five-star review on iTunes. And now you can rate us on Spotify.
1: Spotify.
0: We would love, love, love to have you give us a five-star rating anywhere where you listen to our podcast. Tell your friends and then tell us and then sign into a different email and do it again.
1: Exactly. You know what to do. That's it, y'all. That's it.
0: I'm Stephanie.
1: I just figured you were going first. I'm Stephanie. I'm Stephanie.
0: Let's try again. I'm, I'm Sarah. Stephanie.
1: God I'm Sarah. damn it! I'm Sarah. No. And I'm Stephanie.
0: I'm Stephanie. That's
1: Stephanie. God damn it! She's
0: I'm Mary Angela. And she's Christina. I'm
1: Val. I'm just start naming everyone else.
0: I'm Stephanie. And
1: I'm Sarah.
0: And, and this, this has been Dead Time Stories Thanks for listening Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Hedins and Stephanie C. Ferguson Music and editing by Eric Gershnow Artwork by Rennie Slackman